What does the current energy revolution in North America, the conflicts in the Middle East, and the rumblings in the corridors of power in the oil-rich autocratic states of the region, coupled with a toxic ideology as well as falling water tables, bode for the region and the wider world? And how will the oil sands in places like Fort McMurray, Alberta, help accelerate the uncontrolled inflow of people that will radically change both the cultures as well as facilitate the demographic transformation of many of the countries within the EU? Saudi Arabia's King Salman is in the news as he has removed one of the royal family's most prominent princes from his ministerial roles and arrested other royals in a purge that clears any remaining obstacles to his son's potential ascension to the throne. To understand this radical move in the kingdom is to understand the line of royal succession in Saudi Arabia, as it is based on agnatic seniority, which is a patrilineal principle of inheritance, where the order of succession to the throne prefers the monarch's younger brother over the monarch's own sons. A monarch's children, which is the next generation, succeed only after the males of the elder generation have been exhausted. Salman has broken the tradition and thousands of Ibn Saud, the founder of the current ruling dynasty's grandsons, all with large fortunes of their own, as well as controlling many key sectors of the economy and positions within the military, have been scorned, and there is the very real possibility that some may assert their claim to the throne. This all comes at a time of seeming change in the kingdom. To read Salon, the Huffington Post, or other trash outlets like Vice and the Young Turks, you would think the greatest change to the country is finally allowing its women to drive. This is but window dressing to the absolute scramble the countries in the region, and in particular Saudi Arabia, are attempting to enact and transform their dysfunctional societies. As recently as this week, the UAE has announced its intention and desire to train one million Arabs to code, as it along with Saudi Arabia, which itself indicated last year that it would be spending an unprecedented $2 trillion, are both trying to move their economies away from oil. The entire region has been in turmoil since at least 1948, but if one looks to the lands of Dar al-Islam, there has always been instability, at least since the days of the Islamic prophet Muhammad, along its bloody borders. But if the current trajectory follows through, the situation in the Levant will seem like an hors d'oeuvre to what could possibly be in the post and will make what is at the moment seen as the world's most intractable problem seem like child's play in comparison. The Saudi labor market can be described as highly dependent on foreign labor, especially in the private sector. For example, in 2010, Saudis accounted for only 7% of the labor in the private sector and 47% of the overall labor force. The country is renowned for much of its population being idle and living off one of the most generous social welfare systems in the world. 
This transfer from the state to citizens is for all intents and purposes similar to EBT, Section 8 housing and other social welfare programs in the US. In Saudi Arabia, it sedates the populace from expressing any collective opposition to the absolute monarchy of the House of Saud that runs the country as a personal familial fiefdom. As in the US, there is a tacit agreement with much of the underclass that in exchange for welfare, they don't burn down the cities. As has happened on many occasions, if you don't believe this, imagine if there was some kind of computer error and the EBT system went down for a couple of weeks and then think of what the reaction would be in cities across the United States. But the social welfare programs that are currently being stretched to the breaking point in Saudi Arabia, and this will be addressed later in the presentation, bodes very ill for the future of the House of Saud. Not only do the Saudis have a large class of permanently unemployed and unemployable people dependent upon government largesse, but are also kept afloat by an army of laborers and a technical class of Westerners and Japanese to build and maintain their country's infrastructure and also keep it all running. And all of this dependence is dependent upon the country's revenues via oil exports. Let's add some more of the countries and indeed the region's particular characteristics. As most know, either via 9-11 or for some other reason, Saudi Arabia is home to a very fundamental interpretation of Islam as well as some of the most pious Islamic organizations that we in the West would call radicals or terrorists, but to any legitimate scholar of Islam would call Muslims that follow the teachings of the Quran and Allah's apostle Muhammad with diligence. This toxic ideology and the groups that enact it wreak havoc not only in the Middle East but increasingly worldwide. Also, Saudi Arabia is a net importer of food. The country cannot feed itself and the country will have completely depleted its groundwater in 13 years and is now instituting water tariffs which are basically band-aids. But in little more than a decade, the only water the country will have will have to come via the very expensive process of desalinization. Water scarcity has already been pointed to as one of the key drivers of the conflicts, again in the Levant, but also in the Yemen. And all of this comes at a time when birth rates, while slowly decreasing, the population itself, at least into mid-century, will continue to rapidly increase. Moreover, as was highlighted by the recent arms sales by the Trump administration to the KSA, the country, with military hardware from all the leading arms producing countries, has some of the most lethal weapon systems and platforms on the planet and is armed to the teeth. Mix all of this with a time when the line of succession has been completely abandoned and purges and palace intrigues, attempting to cement a new era for the kingdom at the personal expense of many within the House of Saud that will not only see their power diminished, but possibly their wealth expropriated. And given the opaque and nebulous nature of the dynastic politics within the House of Saud, the current purge as well as the looming problems within the kingdom, you have a recipe for civil war. For two reasons. The first being the potential opposing factions will all believe that they have a legitimate claim to power and piles of money to buy the mercenaries and cutting-edge technology, whether it be South African, Russian, or even American, that would be needed to fight for their claim. And two, 
that this potential fight will all come at a time when the Saudi regime will no longer be able to support the social welfare that is lavished upon much of its idle population as debt soars and the returns on oil exports continue to drop, as well as environmental pressures that also create internal problems. No matter which way the Saudis and the region in general turn, their prospects are bleak and this says nothing of the potential for a hot war led by the KSA against the Persians and their allies, most notably Hezbollah and Syria. Already the Saudis see the acquisition of nuclear weapons as a safeguard against possible interference or aggression by Iranians should a civil war begin. And according to the Guardian newspaper, which has quoted a BBC report, those weapons are waiting on standby in Pakistan should they be needed. If you think the situation currently in the Middle East is a cluster funk, just wait. Much of the reason for the woes with regards to not only the finances of Russia, but also Saudi Arabia, is coming on the heels of the shale revolution in North America. That will sever the largest remaining ties that bind America to the wider world, but also Saudi Arabia in particular. Currently, the petrodollar is unraveling, and China in particular is attempting to wrestle control with a gold-backed oil's future. But that is beyond the scope of this presentation and will be the focus of a future video. Either way, the coming energy independence of the United States will set off a cascade of effects that will accelerate the current global order's demise and will most likely set off a wide range of military conflicts, most probably in the Middle East, but elsewhere, that will shape the new world that will emerge out the other end. And intervention into any of these fratricidal conflicts will not be in the interests of the U.S. What we could and should be entering is nothing short of the United States removing entire areas from the protection of the Pax Americana. Just when the world needs American engagement, and if the Israeli lobby can be held at bay, the United States, for its own reasons, will remain absent. Should a civil war commence in Saudi Arabia, it will be fought with some of the most cutting-edge weapons as well as stockpiles of money that will ensure an orgy of carnage and blood that will most likely envelop the region and could quite possibly mutate into some kind of odious religious war. Either way, the precedent has been set by Angela Merkel as well as the NGOs working in collusion with human traffickers in the Mediterranean that the continent will welcome the world to no limit, to come and live on state handouts, and they will be given to anyone that can set foot in any country inside the bloc. Should large-scale conflict break out and heeding Merkel's invitation, there will be millions more descending upon Europe in the near future. This will also be coming at a time, as reported recently in The Guardian, where because of environmental stresses on things like potable water, as well as the population explosion, tens of millions more from Africa, as well as the Middle East, will be making Europe their destination. Western Europe, at least if it's gynocentric society where policy decisions, for better or worse, prioritize feels versus reels, is not reversed, will continue destabilizing, if not worse. 
Originally, it was in Libya, Syria, the Ukraine, and other countries at the periphery or edges of Europe where former President Barack Obama pursued a policy of destabilization through bombings, overthrowing regimes, and attempting to overthrow others. That drove millions of refugees out of those peripheral areas and into Europe, and the resultant political destabilization throughout Europe, not only on its peripheries, but even as far away as Northern Europe is metastasizing. But the fact that all of Europe is sharing in the devastation that Obama and Bush before him created in the region is of little, if any, concern to Washington. During the Obama presidency, the top strategic goal enacted through military policy was to force regime change in Russia and bring it to heel and absorb it into the wider American sphere or, for lack of a better word, American empire and to have it no longer being a major nation that resists control from Washington. There are only two ways to win in this global contest of geopolitical supremacy. One is by improving one's own performance. The other is by weakening the performances of one's competitors. And the United States is now relying almost entirely upon the latter. Consequently, for example, in terms of U.S. international strategy, the fact that the economic sanctions against Russia are enormously harming the economies of European nations is a good thing for the U.S., not a bad thing. And thus, it's not only strategically sound, but also appealing that by weakening European nations, and not only the nations in the Middle East, the American push against Russia will further establish its position as the last man standing with the most marbles at the end of the geopolitical chaos and destruction that it itself has created. There is a perfect storm gathering upon the horizon. Hard choices will have to be made and the time of putting feelings and emotional responses before systematic and thought out policy is over if Europe wants to survive the coming geopolitical tsunami that will be unleashed upon the continent in the near future. The world is changing. The only way to change it for the better is to understand what is happening around you. Please like and share this video with people that might not have this kind of information readily available to them. The next video in this series will focus on Brexit and how an alliance with an energy independent NAFTA could not only enrich the UK, but also at the same time drive the final nails into the coffin of the European project. So as always, thank you for watching. If you like this kind of material, please consider subscribing. Also follow Black Pigeon on the usual social media and see the website blackpigeonspeaks.com for more interesting information like this.